Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 54 is entitled, Take My Yoke Upon You and Learn of Me. The road to freedom is generally rockier than the road to prison. It is often the opposite of what we expect. For example, in an adversarial confrontation, we want to attack to secure the high ground, and to lord it over our enemy. The Savior seldom tells us what we want to hear. Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5, 38-44 We often seek revenge, but the Savior teaches reconciliation. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Matthew 5.25 I suppose the above could be interpreted in a number of ways. For our purposes, let's examine how it contributes to our freedom. Notice that it begins with a personal and private confrontation. Two people are on opposite sides of the issue. Let's assume that you have been wronged and in anger you confront your adversary. However, in your anger, no matter how justified, you violate a man-made law, and your adversary takes you to the judge. The judge delivers you to the officer, and the officer locks you in prison. Justice is not the real issue. The law is the real issue. Your adversary, because he has better lawyers, uses the law against you. We see it every day. The villain goes free, and the victim pays the penalty. You pay the uttermost farthing, particularly in a lawsuit. That is exactly the position the Jews found themselves in under Roman law. A Roman citizen had advantages that were denied the Jews. The law favored the Romans, of course, because it was Roman law. Those who heard the Sermon on the Mount would have understood perfectly the Savior's words. And whosoever compelled thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Under Roman law, a Roman soldier could compel a Jew to carry his backpack for a mile. Imagine how difficult it would be to obey the Savior's words and carry it two miles. The Jews were virtual slaves to the Romans, and how they must have hated being compelled to work like a slave. Why did the Savior say, go with him two miles? The second mile was of their own free will. The first mile, they were a slave. The second mile, they were free. There's a kind of freedom in that, and one can imagine the effect it had on decent Roman soldiers who would have gained greater respect for those whom they had conquered. The Apostle Paul, though a Jew and Pharisee, was born a Roman citizen and therefore was awarded special privileges. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle, 
and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman, and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, But I was born free. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid, after he knew that he was a Roman, and because he had bound him. Acts twenty-two twenty-four through 29 Paul was an exception. Most Jews had no such privileges. But let's return to the command of the Savior to agree with thine adversary quickly. It is easier to meet anger with anger. However, crimes of passion can be very serious, so much so that the victim becomes the criminal. It is possible that in the heat of justifiable anger, one commits a crime greater than the one his adversary committed against him. One of the saddest stories I heard was of a young man serving a prison term for murder. He suspected his young wife of adultery, and so was furiously driving home to catch her in the act. In his testimony, he said that while on his way home, a voice came to his mind telling him to turn back. He did not heed the voice. He said it came three times, but his jealous anger overpowered him. As he suspected, he caught his wife in her infidelity, and in a rage of passion, he killed her lover. Anger escalates rather quickly. Just as a fire rages beyond the cause of the initial combustion, anger can quickly rage beyond the original cause of complaint. It acquires a life of its own. I remember an instant of road rage. One car cut off another car and both sped down the road, cutting in and out of each other's lane. Finally, they both stopped at a turnoff and in the heat of their passion, one quickly opened his trunk, pulled out a crossbow and shot his adversary in the heart and killed him an act, of course, that he could not call back, and one that he regretted for the rest of his life. In his interview from prison, he expressed his profound regret, but the law did not care who violated the rules of courtesy on the highway. They cared only about the result in murder. His adversary was dead, and he was in prison. The simple formula given by Jesus could have saved both lives. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. We all know the familiar proverb. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 15.1 The peacemaker may be creating his own peace. It is a fine thing to be associated with the others who are called the children of God. It is a horrible thing to be imprisoned with those who are outcast from society and maybe hate you. A reality that we all face is that life is not fair, as Jesus said that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Matthew five forty-five through 46 the rules of freedom are very pragmatic. 
but in most cases it goes against the natural man. The Savior is teaching us to control our passions. In this life, we can only approximate true freedom. God is the only perfect being and therefore the only truly free being. The Savior emphasizes that true freedom is internal rather than external. Those who rely on others for validation are never really free. They're like puppets pulled by the strings of praise. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Matthew 6 Because the way is so difficult, the Savior informs us that few will find it. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 7 The Savior was the only perfect man. In reading the Gospels, one is astonished at our Redeemer's perfect control in all circumstances. Even on the cross, he shows compassion to one of the thieves who begs his pardon. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Luke twenty-three thirty-nine through 43 One cannot imagine his agony, with nails piercing his hands and his feet and his heavy weight. Yet he looks down into the crowd and sees his grieving mother. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, 
He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. John nineteen twenty six through 27 Also, while on the cross, surrounded by the very people who unjustly accused him, surrounded by the Roman soldiers gambling for his garments, and surrounded by his grieving family and disciples, even while he was suffering on the cross, some looked up mocking him. In perfect calmness, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Luke twenty three thirty four. Christ did not just tell us how to live. He showed us how to live in his every act, regardless of the circumstances. He preaches total self-control. He practiced total self-control. The Greek writer Pausanias recorded that three aphorisms were inscribed in the forecourt of the temple of Apollo at Delphi. 1. Know thyself. 2. Nothing in excess. And 3. Certainty brings insanity. The prominent maxim was, Know thyself. It is a quest, I suppose, that takes a lifetime, but much worth the effort. But I can think of an even greater maxim, Know thy Savior. I love these comforting words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.